You're listening to the Bottom Tee Foodcast. I'm Adam Rappaport, and I'm calling you this week from California. All right, up first, healthiest editor Amanda Shapiro is chatting with basically editor Sarah Jumpel. Sarah also happens to write a column for Healthiest called The Not Depressing Vegetarian, wherein she develops the type of recipes that she makes for herself on a regular basis. Uh, her most recent recipe is a creamy vegan pasta made with a couple of cans of beans, which got us thinking, how else does Sarah employ the weeknight protein-packed shelf-stable staple? She and Amanda have a lot of ideas. And after that, I sit down with associate editor, Alex Laney, for a round of what we are calling, say, a new segment, right? Yeah. Let me say that. All right. After that, I sit down with associate editor, Alex Laney, for a new segment, uh, what we're calling Over Under. Stay tuned to see how it works and enjoy the show. Sarah, I am really excited for this podcast episode. I hope that we have big fans of our rice-focused podcast, but I'm really hoping we're going to start a fan base around beans. It deserves it. (laughs) I'm surprised that it doesn't have one. Well, here we are. As I mentioned in the article that I am a member of the Rancho Gordo Bean Club, and one of my friends is trying to organize a meetup of New York City Bean Club members. So stay tuned. That could be a good fan base for our bean content. Yeah, you got to convert them all. Let's just get started by talking about what it, wait, what is Rancho Gordo? Because this is like cult that we are, we're like going deep dive on beans already. Rancho Gordo is like the cult of of beans. Right. So, Rancho Gordo, which is an heirloom bean company that BA editors seem to order from on mass about 2 to 4 times a year and everyone kind of gets the bean of their choice and sometimes the beans are out of stock because since they are heirloom beans that have been around for generations and sometimes they have rarer beans. There are um, bean drops. Right. So it's like the big beans are unavailable and all of a sudden the beans are here and everyone wants the big beans yes. specifically. Yeah. So why do we want the big beans? The big beans are beautiful and because they're so big, they have a larger interior, which is creamy. If you cook them correctly. Yes, but they also can be pan fried so that they get crispy on the outside and retain that inner creaminess. It's really amazing. They're not like any other beans in the way that they cook or behave. They're very luxurious. Yes. Emil Stanek, our um, former basically editor who's now contributing editor, cooked me those beans one time and um, served them on a plate. And they look very unappealing. They look sort of like slugs because they're so big. And like They're just like brown and gray. Yeah. But uh, yeah, they pretty much changed my, my life. They also just feel so special because you can buy like Goya lima beans dried in this like a lot of grocery stores, at least in New York. But there's something about like cooking these beans so lovingly and just like how large they are that makes them feel very special. <laughs> very special. I also like hoard them and only use them for people I really love. Right. Or just yourself. Yeah. But it's not like, you know, I'm throwing together dinner and I like I got some big beans. It's yeah. Like I've thought about it. I've I know what I'm going to do with them. They're like the beans are like your centerpiece. Like you build the meal around oh, the beans. Yeah. yeah. So Sarah is not just a bean lover. I mean, you are a bean lover, but also you are a vegetarian. Um, Sarah writes our 
healthiest column, the not depressing vegetarian. So beans are like a particular fixture of your life, I think, or there's like a kind of a purpose to them. Um, whereas I'm just like a average bean lover who, mm-hmm. um, who doesn't really, I, th- I feel like I'm just sort of entering into this sort of bean universe because <laughs> I'm trying to cook less meat at home. Um, and I'm trying to kind of up my you know, my fiber and, and like my sort of healthy proteins um, in other ways. So yeah, talk to me a little about like the way that you cook beans at home uh, most commonly and why they're such a staple of your diet. I would say that the most common way I cook beans is also the least glamorous way I cook beans, which is that like when I have a can specifically of chickpeas in my pantry, I feel much better about the world like there is a burden lifted off my shoulders when just knowing that I have those there because normally what I'll do is I'll drain them I'll rinse them and then I will pan fry them with like cooked down onions and garlic or shallots and leeks and then I'll add in that oil I'll like bloom some spices I love um Spices I can eat whole, like mustard seeds, cumin seeds, fennel seeds, and those are, seeds. You throw those in there with the like onion or leek or whatever, and the chickpeas already in there? The chickpeas I save for okay. the end, and mm-hmm. then I let them go a long time until they're starting to get crispy. And then I'll put in whatever herbs are kind of dying in my fridge, mm. and I'll serve it all over yogurt or like I'll scramble an egg. Mm. Um, but I would say that that is my go-to meal when it's like 10 p.m. and I haven't thought about dinner because I've planned very poorly. And the great thing about beans as like your centerpiece, I mean, obviously they're shelf stable. You're not worrying about like your piece of protein in the fridge going bad. They're always, they're always there for you Mm -hmm. and they are so versatile. So what is it about chickpeas specifically? I feel like we had sort of chickpea fever at BA last year. Like sometimes these ingredients just like turn up everywhere and then we have to be like, guys, no more chickpeas for a while. Yeah, um, cool it. <laughs> yeah, like try a different bean. But yeah, what is it about chickpeas that makes you feel so safe and, and uh, comfortable? A couple of things. First, chickpeas from a can are pretty hard. But that can actually be a benefit because Mm. they're not going to get mushy on you. You have to really pulverize them to make them like starchy. Whereas white bean, which is another common canned bean, I feel like they're actually a little more fickle because they're a little more fragile. So Mm. I developed this recipe for a vegan cream sauce made with white beans. And I kind of found like that the way you treated the beans really determined how starchy and dry they were going to be. Whereas chickpeas, I feel like if you're cooking them from dry, you can get them to be super mushy. But in the can, they're kind of like reliably firm, Mm -hmm. which is nice because with this like crispy, crunchy craze that we have going on, it's easy to get a chickpea from a can to be crunchy. So, okay, I really want to talk about that vegan pasta that you developed for Healthy-ish. But first I want to talk about canned versus dried beans because I think a lot of people feel like really intimidated by cooking dried beans and they only ever use canned and some people are like diehard dry bean cookers and have all kinds of different methods instant pot slow Mm -hmm. cooker stovetop etc how do you fall on the spectrum I think we should shout out to Carla's bean video which is like blowing up on YouTube and kind of 
is a great demonstration of how to cook. Carla um, Lolly Music, also contributing food editor, lover being of... Being fanatic. Being fanatic. Wish she was here right now. Yes. Well, she's also the rice wizard, so I mean, she can't be both. That's true. <laughs> she has to um, pick. But I think people are really excited about her video, which is kind of like a great way to cook a flavorful and fatty pot of beans. And we're, she's she's using dried beans. Dried beans. I think that there's nothing that I found less appealing in college, maybe, than like the chickpeas in the salad bar. I'm not trying to hate on the salad bar. I think they did a great job. <laughs> Dining hall was great. But like they were just canned chickpeas that had been rinsed, not seasoned, and just like put out. Uh-huh. And I just think that that's the least, like that's a way to hate canned beans. And that's right. kind of like, those are the canned beans I grew up with. They weren't coddled in any way they were just kind of like presented as is it's like cubed tofu with nothing on it right which it's was like also opening a, nice a can of bar. tomatoes and being like i'm gonna eat this like just because <laughs> it's cooked doesn't mean it's, it's edible yeah like that it's pleasurable mm -hmm. so i think that inherently dried beans that you cook at home are going to have a better texture probably a better flavor they'll probably because why? Because you're adding salt and other like aromatics to them when you're cooking them? Or... Yeah, you're doctoring them up and right. you're giving them time to soften and to absorb the liquid and to get all nice. And canned beans, I, I think we just don't treat them with enough care because we think of them as being so convenient. Mm -hmm. But I think that if we took a fraction of the time we spent in cooking those beans from dried and put it towards enhancing the mm -hmm. can, yeah. then we could get a more pleasurable experience. Yeah, and I want to again shout out Emil. Apparently Emil and Carla are like both rice and bean wizards because Emil's marinated beans recipe from a bunch of years ago um, was really changed the way that I thought about canned beans because I think you're right. We think of them as this ready-made food, but they just, they do need a little bit of love and coaxing. Um, mm -hmm. But even just letting them sit in olive oil and vinegar or some kind of acid, even citrus and and whatever herbs you have, salt and pepper, and like even an hour in the fridge. But they're great for meal prep for Big Batch because you can, you know, let them marinate for days and they're just going to get more and more flavorful. You can add them to really, you know, all kinds of all kinds of meals. Yeah, I was one time working with a contributor named Anata Rati who was developing a chana masala recipe. And I really wanted her to use canned chickpeas. And she did a lot of experimenting and found that just like cooking the canned chickpeas in hot salted water for like 30 minutes made their texture more akin to those of chickpeas cooked from scratch, with a, which I thought was really interesting. Like and they, they didn't get needed, too mushy? No, they just needed to like soften and, and be seasoned. And mm. I was like, wow, that is very enlightening. Mm. Like if you just pour boiling water over your chickpeas, it helps them. Yeah. So, okay, so we've talked a lot about chickpeas. We know they're your, your standby, but what are some other canned beans that you swear by or that you use? And like, what are some things that people should think about when they're thinking about what bean they're going to want to keep in their pantry? So Joe Yonan has this great book that's either out or coming out called Cool Beans. Say what you will about the name. It is a great resource, a great bean resource. He even has a page called Let the Music Play which is about flatulence. Oh my God, okay, I was gonna get to that, but here we are. <laughs> um, which I just love that he just like brings it up at the beginning of his bean book. You have and to get ahead of that, I think. Yeah, people are, gonna, people are gonna talk about it, so you might as well bring it up. Right. I guess like, I don't know about the botanical definitions of beans, like how they are divided up in the plant world, but, but I do know that the way that he divides them is super helpful for thinking about like when 
beans can be substitutes for each other. Mm. So he has like the round and firm and nutty chickpea category and then large and sweet like lima, fava, gigante. Mm -hmm. And he kind of like goes through a, a list that is more about texture yeah, I see medium, creamy, nutty. These this is this is my favorite category, I think, the cranberry bean, hmm. the borlotti bean. I really love how speckly they look. They look really nice in the, the can. Calico. Yes, and they have that kind of firm texture without being a chickpea. Like they're kind of similar in like firmness mm -hmm. and density, mm -hmm. um, but with like a different flavor. So I feel like if you have like a chickpea and then a pinto and then a black bean, that covers three big categories. Those are all very different beans mm -hmm. that can be used. They're not interchangeable, but that will get you pretty far mm -hmm. to at least pick a few from different categories. How do you use sort of those tiny white ones that kind of like mash up really easily that aren't really there to like hold the shape? I would probably use those most likely in a soup hmm. or a stew or something where you're just looking for them to add like cream and body, but they're not there to be the stars. Yeah. And the pasta with vegan cream sauce that you developed uses? That uses regular old cannellini beans. Which are kind of in that category, right? The kind of small white. Yeah. Why are they good as like in that recipe? This they, recipe is amazing, by the way. They break down very easily, more or less. Um, <laughs> and they're super common to find. And I think, like, any bean in that category, like navy, great great northern, like your, your white bean, um, whatever that means to you, should work. So on Healthy-ish, we tasked Sarah, bean lover, with creating a vegan cream sauce a vegan it was originally going to be a vegan like mac and cheese right I think a vegan Alfredo uh, Alfredo was thrown around which yes. from the very beginning I was kind of like uh I don't feel like Alfredo can ever be vegan I thought that was your pitch was vegan Alfredo I think my pitch was for a creamy bean sauce okay well that is where we ended up so yeah. I mean people do crazy things with vegan Alfredo like cashews mm -hmm. and cauliflower and tons of nutritional yeast and miso and things that to me sound very appealing but beans especially white beans are fairly starchy so when you start to break them down in a I was using a blender to get a really creamy smooth sauce you also get something <laughs> that I described as hot hummus pasta <laughs> where it's just like you're tossing pasta through warm hummus even it's the bean lovers hummus. even the biggest bean lover couldn't might... get behind it yeah um it also looked a little bit like cat vomit yeah cool. cat vomit pasta here's behind the scenes yeah. <laughs> in the healthiest uh recipe development process we went from cat vomit hot hummus to a very delicious recipe yes so how did we figure it? How did you figure it out? Well, I um, employed the help of Andy Baragani, pasta whisperer, mm -hmm. who kind of helped me realize that I was just being too aggressive with these beans. Like they didn't need to be manhandled. When Andy helped me do it, he took his the back of a wooden spoon and literally like pressed the beans one by one to mash them um, very gently. And I I was a little bit more aggressive in my method, but it definitely helps not to pulverize them because you're just releasing too many starches. And also, 
those kind of beans, once you have released some of their starches, they don't want to be reduced. They like need to be in liquid hmm. so that they don't get too dry. When I was like manhandling them and then drying them out, <laughs> sorry beans, <laughs> oh, what a crime against beans. I was letting them get that like texture of of a hummus that's been sitting out too long. Oh, the crusty the hummus. Crust. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I think, just like the exposure to air mm-hmm. and dryness. And so in this recipe, I use a lot of pasta water to kind of keep them creamy and emulsified yes. and hydrated. It's like pasta water we talk about a lot as just like this pure gold liquid. And I think in this recipe and in you know recipes that don't have butter or parmesan or tons of you know olive oil though there is plenty of olive oil in this one like they really you really need a lot of that liquid um to get yourself to like the creamy the creamy place totally i mean i grew up eating pasta that was just like boiled drained and put on my plate and so it has been a revelation to me that like all you need to not all you need to do but that like the stuff that you're cooking the pasta in is the base of your sauce yeah yeah it's been mind-blowing yeah this this pasta is so good and so that recipe and sarah's bean focused recipe pitches in general kind of inspired the idea for her column for february which is 10 things to do with a can of beans so the pasta recipe calls for one can of cannellini beans right two two cans Mm-hmm. For four servings, mm-hmm. yeah. So you're getting pasta, and you're getting like an ample amount of, of bean too. Yeah, I think my problem as a vegetarian who like loves pasta is that I'm often thinking about like this isn't going to keep me full, or like maybe it will keep me full, but I don't think I'll like. I think I'll feel very tired after eating this. Like I always have wanted to make the pasta al limone for dinner, which is like a Molly Boz's amazing looking pasta in a creamy so lemon sauce. Good, yeah. But I'm like, what part of my meal is that? Like, is that right. the whole meal? But you're either this, hungry after or you're too full and tired. And, yeah. Yeah. This one, like, it, you can just make it. If you're a vegetarian, you can make this and nothing else. And that can be your whole meal because mm-hmm. you're getting the protein. I feel like I, it's so boring, but I. I do think a lot about my protein sources. Yes, as a vegetarian. Yeah. And so that's like this recipe is a great way to kind of sneak that in there. And let's just like count down some of our other favorite things to do with beans. We've covered some of these already. So we talked about marinating. Mm-hmm. Um, really quick, easy, great meal prep strategy. What's the chaat treatment? So the chaat treatment was what Priya Krishna, our contributor, coined when she was talking about alu chaat. And so chaat is just a category of Indian snacks that are kind of dressed in the same way with the same flavors. So with alu chaat, the base is potatoes, boiled potatoes, but I often like to do it with chana, which are chickpeas. Mm-hmm. So chickpeas and they're dressed in a cilantro and lime chutney or like any sort of tangy, bright green sauce that you can make and then some tamarind chutney or anything else that's like punchy and sour. And then finely chopped onion, something that is fried. So like Fritos Priya had suggested, which is brilliant, or traditionally Sev, which is fried chickpea sprinkles. Mm. And fried then, chickpea sprinkles. Yes. So chickpea on chickpea. Chickpea on chickpea. Yeah. <laughs> For the diehards. Yeah. And then some cooling yogurt and chopped masala, which is the spice mix that is essential. Yum. Okay. We also talked already about pan frying them, mm-hmm. um, but you can also crisp them in the oven, which do we have a recipe for that or is that in 
Yeah, I think it's a meatball. It's like a chicken meatball where you add the chickpeas to the pan mm-hmm. with the meatballs. Mm-hmm. I don't know if we have one where it's just the beans, but this is another method of getting them crispy. Yeah, I think it actually gets them even crispier than on the pan, than in the pan. One time I followed a recipe that was for like the crispiest chickpeas, and what you did was you started them them in the oven and you dehydrated them and then you put them on the stove in oil so it was basically like you're dehydrating them and then you're frying frying them them. they were very good they were honestly almost too crispy right because sometimes you can get them as like bar snacks you know and they're just like dripping in oil and they're like as crunchy as like a potato chip yeah which is its own kind of delicious Mm -hmm. but it's hard to eat a bowl of that and be like this is um dinner (laughs) this is my meal yeah it's more like a topping of a salad or goes great with beer yeah tell me about confit confit so bean confit yeah one of my favorite recipes of all time is by joy the baker and it's these slow roasted chickpeas um, it works. It would work with white beans too. But basically, that recipe is that you are covering the chickpeas in oil, yum, and then adding. I think she adds feta, and olives, and lemon slices, and you bake it covered so that the oil isn't evaporating. But you're just infusing the beans with that delicious aromatic oil, and it's so good. Wow. And you can. So what I was thinking is that. We had this whole series of slow roasted vegetables, which was, I think Claire developed all of them, but they're essentially confit vegetables in the oven. Right. All different, all different vegetables. Yeah. And she had tomatoes. She had eggplant. She had winter squash. She had summer squash. Scallions. mm, Any would be delicious with the addition of beans. Mm. And it's a very luxurious thing to eat. But when that's the centerpiece of your meal and then all the other things are like raw and crunchy and bright it's um, a great vegetarian dinner yeah. party and it's so dish. easy because it's just throw it in the oven cover it and kind of forget it yeah okay and then of course we have the dip strategy which mm-hmm. goes way beyond hummus yes people get very angry when you call bean dips that don't include chickpeas hummus because hummus is a chickpea yes essential yes I can't get through this conversation with you without bringing up Amy Chaplin and mm. her cookbook, Whole Food Cooking. We love Amy. <laughs> every day. We love Amy. This cookbook is all vegan recipes, but they're really just like these great formulas for how to make all kinds of things like everything from like breakfast porridge to gluten-free bread to dips and sauces and spreads and and, you know, steaming vegetables, all of these strategies and all of these um, different versions of each kind of main recipe. So there's a whole section for bean pâtés, which are essentially just like these pureed beans, mm-hmm. but she's adding some things like she's adding nuts to them sometimes, she's adding herbs, sometimes she's adding like, you know, cooked vegetables. And the consistency is is less dip-like and really is more like a pate, like a thing you could spread on a cracker mm-hmm. instead of cheese or... It's like more crumbly than creamy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is like the bean meat meets nut dip. Yeah. Is a whole is a whole new category for me that totally. I'm pretty into. Yeah, I've done a lot of like adding roasted vegetables to my bean dips, like roasted sweet potatoes, roasted beets, roasted leeks, roasted mm-hmm. carrots. And I think like the spice component is pretty essential to that. Like I love smoked paprika with roasted carrots and white beans. And I think like 
it needs more salt than you think you need. Yes. If it doesn't taste like anything, just like add a fat pinch of salt and keep going. And often it also needs some oil. Yes. And I think that that salt thing is true for beans just across the board, whether you're making them dry beans from scratch, adding way more salt at the beginning than you think you do, or to canned beans in any form. Like, even though there's salt in the can, sometimes you really need like Yeah, your beans don't taste like anything. It's like a potato, like you got to salt it. Yeah, yeah. And then lastly, the sandwich strategy. Tell me about that one. So Eliza is actually writing. Eliza, um, healthiest assistant editor. Yes. Bean lover. Bean lover. In training. She wrote this very funny and charming article about how when everything else is going wrong in her life, at least she has a can of chickpeas to make a chickpea salad sandwich. And I love it because her chickpea salad sandwich is formulaic. It's not strict or dictated in any way it's like I add something briny I add something which could be like capers olives preserved lemon I add something creamy it could be mayonnaise it could be sour cream it could be yogurt I add something crunchy it could be celery it could be cucumber (laughs) it's very flexible and then she kind of just like transports it for lunch with something bread e to put the salad on right which is like it's a great picnic food it's not tuna salad which smells yeah, my mom, you see that every day. <laughs> but you're using kind of the template of like a tuna salad or a chicken salad, but instead you're using beans. Yes, and I think like chickpeas are great there because they have that texture. So they're not going to get too mushy or too wet on you. So they can hold their own. Yeah. Well, I think that's like as much as I have to say about beans right now. I'm sure we could go on and on. Yeah, I just like I'm so excited by them all the time. <laughs> I think that I would want to tell people since you asked me what I want to tell people about beans um not really I did I was actually (laughs) what I was going to ask you oh that your bean cooking liquid is valuable stuff so if you've spent all your time cooking your beans don't drain them your dry beans or your canned beans mostly your dried beans okay so yeah if you're cooking dried beans don't throw away their liquid like store them in their liquid so that they stay nice and moist and plump for you And then even if you don't use the liquid with the beans, you can use it like stock. So you can use it when you're cooking rice or cooking lentils, kind of a bean. Bean stock. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Jack and the bean stock. (laughs) Can we make that recipe? (laughs) Yes. Amazing. Okay. So just as valuable as your pasta liquid is your your bean liquid, which – Makes me realize we didn't even talk about aquafaba, which is oh the gosh. canned bean liquid. But we'll have to save that for another for another episode. Yeah, I feel like I remember where I was when that happened. You know, like when, when aquafaba people happened, were like aquafaba, it's yeah, the future. Two years ago on Healthyish, we went there. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thanks, Sarah. Thank you, Delaney. Are you ready for our new segment? Over under. I am as ready as I can be. I, I know nothing about what you're going to ask me. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm going to explain it. All right. So we're going to go through 10 subjects, uh, hopefully which are kind of topical and timely in the world of food and its its relations. Um, and you get to decide overrated, underrated, or I suppose just rated. Properly rated. I guess, yeah. Appropriately A- rated. Okay. Yeah. So exactly. Okay. All right. I, I love this concept. All right. Well, let's do this. Ready? Yeah. Cara Cara oranges. Uh, Cara Cara appropriately rated. Flavor-wise, fine. You look at them, you're like, okay, it's a little pink. It's a little different. I don't think the flavor is that much. I think they're a little too buzzwordy. Hmm. 
How there, many how many desserts do you see and you're like, oh, it has Karakara orange. It must be exceptional. I feel like we definitely hear a lot about the Karakara. We see them a lot in the BA kitchen these days. I think the color is beautiful. Color is beautiful. I don't disagree with you, but to the average folk out there, maybe they're not as hip to them. I might say underrated. I think they're worth checking out, but you know. Yeah. That's no, worth checking out, but I would still say appropriately rated. All right. Crossback aprons. <laughs> um, <laughs> overrated. Yeah. Yeah. But, what are we like? I don't, I'm not trying to swim into an apron. You know what I mean? They're so confusing. It's super confusing. Also, I feel like dangerous to talk badly about them in the BA test kitchen because Molly or Carla or Claire might come for you. Okay. Throat. Well, no. All right. So there's the, if you ever watch the BA videos, you'll see Carla, Claire, or Molly. They often wear these um, crossback linen aprons, which you still got to kind of put your arms yes. through and over your head to get into. But the one, and those are, I think, there's a good style quotient. The really annoying ones are the ones that like Chris wears, where they oh. have like they they have the straps and then you got to pull them through and then you adjust them and you got to tie yeah. it. No, I'm not about that. So confusing. Cannot endorse that. You know what? I'll also I'll add an, an over under onto this. I would say aprons overrated as a category. But uh, I mean, if for the home cook, for the home cook, if you're cooking all day in the test kitchen, sure. But for the home cook, overrated. Hmm. I'm going to leave it on that one. <laughs> but you know what? We're going to continue on the clothes and apparel beat right here. Okay. KFC Crocs. Overrated. What are we What are we doing? <laughs> what are, KFC Crocs? That's like, I mean, okay. Any Crocs collaboration, overrated. <laughs> Any KFC collaboration, overrated. You're, you're, that's like a, as overrated as it could be. All I know is two days ago when the KFC Croc collab broke on the internet, <laughs> I got an email promptly from my brother, a text with like the photos of the KFC Crocs, yeah. and in there, and I think they're doing the little pins, also the shapes of yeah. the drumsticks, which he was very excited about to put on his leather jacket. The drumstick and then, pin is at, I mean, it's kind of cool. I'll give I'll give that credit. Yeah, and then yeah, if you have like a denim jacket, jean jacket, and then yeah. Marlon, who's twelve, my son, he also came running into the bedroom. Like, <laughs> Dad, we gotta get KFC Crocs, and I'm like, do we? Do we really need to? So I'm gonna I'm gonna side with you on this one. A lot of internet hype. I don't need to see anyone wearing. My, I better not see my 12-year-old wearing KFC Crocs. Marlon will get called out on the pod if he does. The Outsider. Oh, oh, so underrated. Crazy underrated. It's I. Maybe it's even appropriately rated, but just how much I enjoy that show. I don't think a lot of people are rating it. I don't think a lot of people are, which blows my mind. So it can't be appropriately rated. Okay. I don't think it's getting rated. It's appropriately uh, rated by me. What's what's and the premise? And that's it. Okay. The pre- it's an adaptation of a Stephen King novel from like maybe two or three years ago. The premise is that uh, this murder is committed in this small town. There's all this evidence that points to this one guy, played by Jason Bateman, that he did it. And then all of a sudden there's evidence that puts him, like concrete evidence that puts him 60 miles away at the exact time of the murder. So it's basically trying to solve a murder with this evidence that makes it seem that he was in two places at the same Mm. time. HBO? HBO, it's just scary enough. It is incredibly suspenseful. All of the the performances are amazing. Ben Mendelsohn, who played the bad guy in Rogue One, he plays the lead. He is fantastic. Okay. it's, It's a fantastic show. Simone and I were, were quote unquote looking for a new show. I right think now. you should definitely give it a chance. Like you, you always have to have like the half hour, twenty six minute show in rotation, like Schitt's Creek, which is yeah, it's like a little bit of a snack before bed. Sure, but then there's a one where you're like, all right, are we ready to do this? Yeah, and okay. that's that hour long. That like, are we ready? Also intense, and like an hour long intense yes. show. Where at the yes. end, you're like, whoa. 
And that's what, like, before The Outsider, it was Watchmen for me, which I was like, I was waiting that show, every Sunday. The previews freaked me out. I couldn't even, couldn't go. It there. was intense. But, but it's that kind of show where you just wait for Sunday night. Yeah. All right, ready? Kitchen Scales. Oh, underrated. But dot, 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 if you bake. Well, see, that's the thing. I'm not a baker. Neither I, am I. I'm not, I'm not measuring baking and flour, whatever. Overrated if you don't bake. Underrated, underrated. if you do bake. F- also for coffee, though. Like, I use, Man. every time I do a pour over, I use my scale, my little uh, Escali. Well, as someone who goes to Cafe Grumpy every morning, <laughs> I don't care. It's fascinating how many comments and from our baking enthusiast readers we get. Like, can you please put every recipe with measurements? Yeah. And we do online, is that correct? But we can't necessarily fit it in the magazine. There's been so much back and forth yes. internally at, at yeah. Bon Appetit. Online, yes. In the magazine, I think Sarah Jumpel is very much involved in that, yeah. this in is, that conversation. If you're, if you're a baker out there... I want to let you know this is something that's talked about frequently at BA, and yes. we're trying to resolve it. Just the printed page is finite, and there's just not a lot of real estate on it. Yeah, Andy's skincare routine. Oh, you know, as a guy who does a skincare routine, but certainly like maybe one sixteenth of what Andy's is, I would say underrated. The commitment, no, overrated. Wow, I didn't even get to explain myself. He spends so much time and money. Okay, like, the mon- from like the money perspective, he literally yes. and figuratively buys into the cosmetics industry and everything they're selling him. Then he tries to get on healthy-ish and preach it. Like, <laughs> wash your face, put on some SPF moisturizer before you leave the house, and if you have good skin, you have good skin. Ooh, I like this one. Ready? The new Condé Nast Cafeteria. Oh, overrated. What are we- Wow. Look, I- okay. I'm going to pose a question here. One, what has changed besides the weird logos that they've designed for each station that makes them feel like a 2009 food court concept? (laughs) I would say, if I had asked this question a year ago or so, taking the sort of, I'm not going to comment on the um, decor, interior design uh, renos going on or that have gone on, but I think the food in the kind of calf is much better than it was a year or so ago. You can, they, they're cooking with love. They're cooking with passion. They they're cooking with garlic, finally. You know, when you get the tostones with the green sauce, any Caribbean day down the road that's like Dominican or Jamaican, there's yes. all, I, I just, I'm into the food and I'm feeling it. I will say, if the question was Condé Nast Cafeteria, not the new Condé Nast Cafeteria, I would I would say the food is absolutely underrated. Yeah, the samosas. Oh, I love samosas samosa are great. Anything, anything on the steam tables. To make them beef patty day. Mm. Oh yeah, yeah. right. Just good old rice and beans. I, they do a great job on the rice and beans. Whether it's black beans, whether it's a pinto beans. Yep. There's a lot going on in the beans. Yeah, so I'm all into that. And then, oh, we only got two more. Banquets. 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 Overrated. I think a banquet is like. There hasn't been a restaurant that's opened in downtown Manhattan that hasn't been like, look at our banquets. <laughs> Tough it's leather. Become, it's become like a a thing that's like. Um, that's almost like if you want to be in the design conversation in a restaurant, you have to have at least one, maybe upholstered banquette in your restaurant. And I think that a lot of banquettes that look good are very easy to slide off of. Mm, so not necessarily putting comfort first, but maybe they look good. I also think it's tough. Like if you're take out your girlfriend for a date, in your case, we're being specific. And sometimes if you don't get a nice banquette seat, your date, whoever your date might be, might be like, really? We have to just sit at this two top in the middle of the restaurant? 
you didn't like I thought you had some pull around here, Delaney. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're like, sorry, hon, we're just yeah, we're saying the lonely two top in the middle of the floor. All right, last one in our inaugural segment of over under. Tahini as dessert ingredient. Oh. I would say overrated because just because I love tahini in savory applications so much more. Mm. Um, and I, I also think that that was like such a, I mean, we are also, we've done our tahini brownies. We've done, you know. It got very trendy. It got uh, again, super trendy. A, an ingredient that's been around forever. And then all of yeah. a sudden it kind of came into that sort of all day cafe world. Yeah. Of like, I, in, in a dessert situation, I would almost always rather have peanut than sesame seeds. Oh, interesting. Yeah. But you dig the tahini more in whether yes. it's in a dressing, yeah, hummus, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Totally, totally. Alex Wendy, thank you for joining us on Over Under. My pleasure. The Bon Appetit Foodcast is produced and edited by Emma Wurtzman with additional programming help from Carrie Polis and Elise Inamine. Our theme music is by Nathaniel Wurtzman. We have new episodes every Wednesday, and if you want to reach out to us about this episode or any other episode, email us at bonappetitfoodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.